0: On today's episode, you will hear us discuss our true colors and our upbringing based on some funny yet slightly misinterpreted song lyrics, as well as hear us strongly debate athletics and the sportsmanship that go along with them. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter and be sure to share this episode with all the people you know.
1: This is Married With Drinks. The podcast of a married couple strongly debating current events, pop culture, and their lives together. Jumping right into tonight's episode.
0: We're going to start with some, like I said, funny, yet very misinterpreted song lyrics. So I want to start by saying these are not song lyrics that perhaps have been mis.
1: Heard. Oh, no, 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 This is not the singer being unclear.
0: This is not a mumble problem. This is us truly not understanding the context in which the lyrics were written from the artist. Yeah,
1: I think that, babe, I think that's a great way to say it. Context here, perhaps, might be the, the, the key word. So, like, for instance, this is not Elton John's Tiny Dancer when people hear, Hold me close, Tony Danza. Yo, this is not that. And if you don't know who Tony Danza is, it's okay. He hasn't been relevant for a while. But at some point in my life, that's why I thought that line was.
0: And if you don't know Tony Danza, hopefully my analogy will be better. But the Uncle Cracker... Doubtful.
1: I mean, doubtful. But go ahead. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) The Uncle Cracker song, which is, Give me the beach, boys, and free my soul, just in case you were wondering, is not Beach Boys. It's Beat Boys. And I did not realize that until... Mm, four hours ago
1: <laughs> and although like that that song's fine nothing against the song like one of us have the better analogy there one of these Me. is an all-time great song that is a generational moment of tiny dancer versus a weird pop one hit wonderish song i mean one is better but you get the point now if you've listened this far
0: Correct. So, it is not misheard lyrics. So, everything we just talked about is not the point of what we're talking about now. So, the first one, I'm just going to go ahead and play it for you because I feel like that makes it, well, at least it makes me feel better and that hopefully you guys will understand my point of view.
1: And this is a you misunderstood lyric.
0: All right, here we go. Half my high school fell in love. okay so what a whore right what a whore okay maybe that's not how everybody feels but that's how i hear that song
1: which would be a great example of our misinterpreted lyrics um this is not a specific promiscuous young lady the song is talking about
0: i swore this song literally referenced one girl next door that all the boys fell in love with in her daddy's Ford, if you get what I'm saying.
1: No. It, <laughs> I mean, clearly, and I'm sure, you know, Kelsey Ballerini and Kenny Chesney, who wrote this song together, apparently, uh, would, would tell you this is more about a universal experience of falling in love with that, you know, neighborhood girl, girl next door, Girl in your homeroom class, you know, sneaking out back of your dad's truck. Like, it's not a specific moment, but much more of a perhaps cultural or coming of age kind of uh, moment that that is a shared experience, even though we all had different experiences and I hope different girls in the back of that truck.
0: Well, I was gonna say, where I come from, the words fallen in love would be in quotes in the back of your daddy's Ford, because it's not exactly love that was happening there.
1: Well, you know, you know, love, lust, it's all very confusing, especially when you're, you know, high school kids. Yeah. Yeah. All very confusing. And and, you know, the lines are are not all clear there. Okay. So we probably should have done this before. That's why we're not professionals. We do not (laughs) own the rights to any of these songs. Correct.
0: Not Um, even close.
1: No. So please don't come after us and sue us. Um, yeah, we're literally just playing these off of the computer as we talk about them.
0: So the next one is something that, a song that you misheard.
1: Correct. And so <laughs> uh, um, this is one of those things that I was a, probably junior high-ish uh, age, you know, so I don't know what I was in junior high, 13, 14-ish years old. Um, and this song was quite popular on the radio. And I listened to it. And there was very little of this song I understood,
0: but the part you did, you really misinterpreted.
1: <laughs> Correct. The parts that I thought I understood, I didn't really understand. So, uh, you know, again, context here is important, and as we talked about, upbringing uh, and maybe uh, environment is important to understand here. So, uh, you misunderstood the, you know, Americana classic, maybe country music ish. Reference in that first song by Kelsey Ballerini, uh, you grew up in the city. I did. You grew up in an urban environment. I did. And so perhaps, you know, classic Americana is not your uh, first right. influence.
0: The concept of the girl next door didn't really exist.
1: Right, yeah. Great point. So for me, growing up in a very non-urban, very rural part of Indiana, um the hip hop song that you were about to hear, that we have no rights to, and please don't sue us. Um, I did not understand the following line. Go ahead.
0: He, not even close did he understand. Close, close, <laughs> close. <laughs> All right, here it is. Green and light So far. All right, I here it is. I, I here it is. Big and smashing, making my ends. Smoking big killer, getting high in the beans, Big ball
1: and smashing, making my ends. Smoking big killer, getting high in the bins. Balling, smashing, killer, in the bins. In- so obviously, at that point in the song, you know, we're ballin', we're making money, uh living the, our best lives, although that term didn't exist when I was in Jerry <laughs> and Okay, they're getting high in the bins because, you know, in my world, bins would not be bends as a Mercedes-Benz, which I've now learned that's what it actually mean. It's clearly
0: is. what they mean. In the world
1: I lived in, that that did not exist. No one I knew or nor anywhere did I go was bends, a word used. However, rural Indiana, there were grain bins. Bins. There were lots of bins. And so in my mind... They were getting high, you know, getting high, smoking drugs in bins—these big steel round buildings—and <laughs> in my mind, it made sense. Like, oh, I bet you get like really high if you're in that enclosed space.
0: But can you in imagine how? Bins. Can you imagine how long it would take to hot box an entire grain bin?
1: No, that's insane. 14-year-old me could not imagine that. And in fact, I'm actually proud of 14-year-old me, who at that point had no concept of what getting high or drugs was, understood the concept of hot boxing before I knew what hot boxing was. In fact, I might have invented hot boxing at 14. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> I promise you didn't. <laughs> but again, me growing up in the environment, urban city that I grew up in, I can't imagine anyone thinking Benz anything other than Mercedes Benz. Like, I, it just blows right. my mind that, that you could even make that be something sure.
1: else. Sure, yeah. I, and and if, if they would have said Mercedes, I know what a Mercedes was. I, I knew a Mercedes, but never had heard the term Benz or Benz or, you know, whatever the proper pronunciation is of the, the abbreviation of that is. Like, I, that was an unfamiliar term for me. And thus, I applied something that did fit my world and did make sense to me, uh, which in this case was absolutely 100% wrong because of my context and upbringing and, and, and what was familiar to me.
0: And just in case anyone's wondering, I am going to cut that snippet out and just play over and over again that he was 100% Wrong because I don't hear that from him very often, so I'm just going to keep that in my own personal stash.
1: Well, 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 right, you know, 100% wrong, but you know, I was also a cutting edge on uh drug use in rural Indiana, <laughs> okay? So, in a similar, <laughs> I Can you... can't believe
0: you just said you were cutting edge of the drug use in rural well, Indiana, you
1: know, Im- imaginary, you know, correct, imaginary, okay, 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 so similar.
0: Very similar here.
1: But different song, different song lyric here. Again, another country song in which you heard the lyrics. And and you like this country song. I
0: love this country song, to be honest.
1: Pseudo country song, to be fair. Okay, you like (laughs) this song, love this song.
0: I do love this song. And there's
1: a line in which, to me, I instantly understood what that meant. It meant something to me as a rural uh, country kid.
0: To be honest, I was... It meant something to me, too. It just happened to be not what the artist intended it to mean.
1: Correct. So, completely incorrect, like I was.
0: <laughs> All right, fine. All, All right, be. so
1: this is uh, One Beer, uh, which is, you know, a collaboration of several artists. Um, yeah, roll this one.
0: All right. Again, we don't own the rights. Please don't sue us. It's just a It was hard for me to not just like continue to play the song. I just (laughs) decided that's where I would cut it off.
1: But the key line there is three on a tree. Three on a tree. Okay. So what does that mean? Or what did you think that meant when you first heard that line?
0: So if you know the rest of the song, it's about a high school couple who perhaps had a few too many beers.
1: In the back of her daddy's Ford. In the back
0: of her daddy's Ford. So again, circling back to what that means. Yeah. But, and they wound up, you know. K-I-S-S-I-N-G, you know, what comes next? Into an
1: unplanned pregnancy. Unplanned
0: pregnancy, then the marriage. So, in my mind, the three on the tree was either, you know, the baby was turning three. And it was an ornament that they had hung on their Christmas tree. Or, you know... We just celebrated our one year anniversary and we got ornaments about, you know, our first crib, you know, like things like that. So it was, you know, the three on the tree, it was an ornament. It was a symbolic, important moment and it was getting, it was an ornament or something like an ornament getting hung on the tree. Like it makes sense in the song.
1: Correct. And in some ways it's it's a much more nostalgic, beautiful idea than what it really was. Uh, If you don't know what three on the tree means is... Uh, it's talking about the actual truck or vehicle they're in. Uh, it's a manual transmission, so not the automatic that most of us drive in in 2022, but a manual transmission uh, that you would have to change gears yourself. So there are three gears, which actually is a very really old idea. Even you know more modern things that are manuals have way more than three gears. But three on the tree would be you know that that stick shift in the middle is the tree in the middle of that that uh, console three different gears on that tree. So uh, three on the tree is really, they're just talking about that old Ford truck that they fell in love with and perhaps, you know. um,
0: Other parts of love happened in that (laughs) truck too.
1: Yes, the love and the lust and all those things got confusing uh, and beautiful in the back of that truck and led to this family, three on the tree.
0: Yeah, so just for the record, I am not crazy for thinking that it could have been in ornament. however i'm going to applaud you know hardy is listed as the artist of uh, record okay, but there okay. are multiple people that are actually on the song but you know a boy and a girl and a three on a tree like that sounds way better like way more artistically functional <laughs> appealing than a boy and a girl in a truck like i just you know so good job ah, for them ah, okay you know okay. that that was my point like it it's a good line. It's a good line. Correct. Plus, you it, know, it is good tree line. rhymes with lots of things. Right, so. right.
1: Yeah, helps to paint this picture. And again, you know, connects it like like country music often does. Connects it to nostalgia and connects to, you know, what we might call Americana uh, versus... But connects uh,
0: only if you have those connections.
1: Correct. Only if you've been part of that, that world and that community. Because, yeah.
0: you know, that's not the part that connects with me.
1: Correct. Just like most of the lyrics from I Want to Be a Baller, I don't... Today, at whatever age I am, uh, well in my 30s, still doesn't all make sense to me what those lines mean, uh, but I did think I knew what Ben's meant.
0: I started to explain the song and then decided it wasn't worth it just for the podcast, so we stopped.
1: Yeah, yeah. So our takeaway from this, or what I hope you you get to enjoy as you listen to this, is just how much uh, our reality, uh, or where we are as a person, Influences our interpretation of of songs and song lyrics and and in some ways that's a, a really wonderful, beautiful kind of thought
0: I mean I'm pretty sure in our first podcast, you said something to the effect of my reality or my perception is my reality, True, and I yes, feel like this yeah. is another very Hardly clear, original, but yes, I
1: stole <laughs> that from someone
0: you know this is a very clear example of that right here
1: right yeah and and isn't that what art's supposed to be now uh, would anyone argue that these are three great works of art no not many people would argue that but i i you know it, it is the point that you know art is uh interpreted by the uh viewer or listener in this case
0: and the connection and emotion you feel with it can be very different whether you you get it the way the artist intended or not because i love that song and i didn't get it right. so
1: And I was still feeling like a big baller getting high in the bins, you know, and that idea was still, you know, appealing to me That 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 seemed cool. So, um, yeah, on that note. Yeah.
0: One last time, we do not own the rights to any of that music. I don't know how many times we have to say it to make
1: it legal, but yeah. Or, you know, take this down or or whatever else we have to do. Um, Okay. So our, our other big topic tonight is, um really sportsmanship is the broad theme for sure um but it started with us debating discussing uh as we've said before we are both coaches in high school um just to preface this to make this make sense uh, i have coached football you have coached volleyball correct um and the idea of handshake lines at the end of the game and so that has obviously changed a bit in the uh, covid era that we live in now
0: drastically at least
1: for volleyball yes um yeah football we for the most part at this point we just ignore it um but is this a good practice that we still make people students kids shake hands go down the lines and say good game 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 you know to 30 people or however many people it, it might be on their team is this good is this bad uh i'll let you go first what's your thought?
0: So I'm just going to preface it with, for those of you who don't know, in the sport of volleyball, you often <laughs> shake hands at the beginning and you say, good luck, good luck, good luck. And then at the end, and you say, good game, good game, good game. And so, again, like he mentioned, because of COVID, at the beginning of the game, we, we stand at our end lines and we wave to each other and say, good luck. And at the end of the game, we, you know, whoever wins is celebrating and, amidst right. celebrating, some people turn and wave and say, good game.
1: Right. Volleyball, very friendly in their uh, winning and losing.
0: Yeah, and again, the volleyball community, at least in the area in which we are in, even though it is a city, I feel like there are so many people I know. So it's it's easy to be friendly because I know so many of either, you know, I either know yeah. kids on the other team, parents a part of the progr- you know, programs that we're playing against, Coaches, like it's easy to be friendly. I feel like football. You may know people, but I don't know football people are less friendly than volleyball people. That's the well, general consensus. Sure. I'm going. I mean, make.
1: I, would, I would also just make a point. There's there's more. There's more
0: people. So true. So true. So, my, anyways, how do you yeah,
1: feel about the handshake lines? Sorry,
0: I got distracted. I, in all honesty, I hate the handshake lines. It's forced. It feels fake. I love sportsmanship. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be good sports, but I think we are just asking for petty drama, asking for conflict to arise by forcing people to, to go through this motion of this. I, I so don't enjoy when's it.
1: your team throwing the finger instead of waving here? Like, like, if you don't want the fake, what do you want?
0: I'm going to be honest. Thankfully, all of the teams that I have ever coached know me well enough to know that if they did, you know, throw the finger instead of shaking hands, that, you know, they would run for every practice that we had remaining and would probably never play a real game again. Like, it, I would not be okay with it. I'm not, I'm not about being a poor sport. I just feel like I'm not appreciate I, – I don't appreciate fake sportsmanship. Yeah. Forced sportsmanship.
1: And I see that, and I think, you know, we could probably get to a larger conversation about the types of athletes that the two of us coach. Um, they and are it, different. They're different. Different uh, people and communities, and, and, you know, for the most part, you have coached uh, girls volleyball, and obviously, you know... Well, could, I mean... well, Right, you, you've done much of both. Uh, obviously, football... It's, but it, you're right, it's, more it's, girls
0: than boys. More yeah, girls than
1: it's boys. it's male sport, uh, and so I actually really appreciate that we still force uh, athletes at the end of a competitive, physical, aggressive, mean game. Because, I mean, it is. And, and, you know, someone that appreciates that sport really feels that way. Uh, That we force them to get their emotions under control and to uh, be able to walk down the line and shake hands and be close to people that literally, you know, maybe moments ago they were trying to physically harm you know not in a bad negative way mean way but like you know you know physically harm you're yeah. you're physically fighting with this person and now you have to be back under control uh and 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 in a place that you can behave correctly and i actually appreciate the fact that we force that into practice cuz i think that is an important skill um that maybe we are not saying we explicitly teach but i think the sports that that we we coach you you that is something that you should hopefully learn. So I appreciate the fact that we still do that as a high school sport.
0: I, and at some level I I I 100% agree with the fact that the only way to teach it especially to high school kids or younger is to make them do that. I mean it's it's what we yeah. stress at yeah, practice right, all yeah. the time. Like, you know, you're only as good as you practice. Like, you know, you have to you have to practice it if, if we're going to expect you to be able to do those things. So at some level, I do appreciate it. However, I know that at the high school level with me, what would often happen is, is you know, for example, we play a game. Maybe maybe we win. And, and my girls are going to high five at the net, you know, obviously pre-COVID. And, and somebody on the other team pulls their hand away from someone else and doesn't actually slap hands. Then I'm dealing with a, a girl in my huddle who's, talking trash because so-and-so wouldn't shake her hand and how how petty and she's just salty because we beat whatever like one I don't care like move on who cares if she shook your hand or not and if my girls were doing it I never knew but right I'm I'm disappointed in them but it's like in (laughs) volleyball and that's
1: the worst thing that, that that coach can feel is disappointment
0: that's so true Coaches and parents are very similar that way. You don't want them to be disappointed. Anger, sure, but disappointment, no. Um, You know, and I just, for me, coaching high school girls, if that happened on, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon at practice, guess what? We'd still be talking about it. She'd still be upset. It would still be a thing. And no offense to football. I say this all the time. But... For high school volleyball, you're lucky if you have one practice in between your matches. So, like, we can't be focused on the opponent we played last night while we're trying to beat the opponent, you know, trying to prepare for the opponent for, for tomorrow. Okay. So, like, we got to move on. Like, it's not, to me, it's not worth the petty drama and, and, and conflict that it might cause.
1: Fair, fair, fair. And, and you know, uh, yeah, the the schedule and the, the world that football versus volleyball lives in is different. Drastically different. Um, I, I would say, in my experience, and I've I've been at lots of different types of high schools and lots of different communities and sizes of the schools. For the most part, um, even when when perhaps players or coaches are not uh, good sports, uh, they don't demonstrate much sportsmanship throughout the game. Uh, I don't know. There's something. I don't know, not, you know, something that is special about the handshake line, you go and do it, you know you don't want to do it, you know you're, you you want to say something, you know you don't want to have to shake hands, you do it anyways, and it's what is expected of you, and I and I appreciate the fact that this is expected, and you do it no matter how you feel, I, do, I, you know, I think that is an important uh, message, uh, you know, for, obviously, sports and athletics, but also in the bigger world, like, you know... Me and my coworker might, you know, be really upset and have strong disagreements in our marketing meeting about different approaches, but at the end of it, we have to be able to be back to under control doing our job. And I just think that's a, you know, something that I think that handshake lines help to reinforce. Am I being naive? Yeah, probably. Uh, but I'd also like to always try to think for the
0: best. I agree like you and your marketing team member who don't get along like yes you have to find a way to work together however the finding the way to work together is not by standing up at the end of the meeting and high-fiving like that doesn't make you work like the forced high-five at the end of the event does not fix perhaps the actual issues that you have so like I don't I just I feel like because it's forced it's not good
1: swallow your pride do what you know, is expected of you, you know, whether it hurts your feelings or you like it or don't like it, sometimes there are just things you have to do. And, and I think, you know, I, I think that that if if nothing else, if, if they don't understand that the sportsmanship, uh, they can understand that. However.
0: <laughs> yeah, big however here. And
1: this is where like we flip positions yep. almost entirely.
0: It's crazy sometimes how we agree on things and don't others.
1: Right. Right. And the nuance to this is in professional sports, I hate how happy collegial it is after the end of a, a, a game in professional sports. I hate seeing and and hate. Perhaps it's probably too strong of a word because you know, sometimes I'm dramatic
0: only sometimes
1: often dramatic, uh, but when you know the you know NFL playoffs at the end of the playoff game, you know players had just been competing to the best of their ability with all their skill and all their might and all their power, and it was passionate uh, in this competition. And then they're out there, they're laughing, they're hugging, you know. And I, you know, like I, I, I kind of cringe at that. I, it kind of makes me feel like like what is any of that real? I don't love all of that. At the end of highly contested games
0: and I just I feel like I disagree because none of that is forced per se those are two people maybe they are from the same area and went to high school you know you know competed at the high school level maybe they were college teammates maybe sure. they used to play on the same you know NFL football team right. and one got with, traded with like free
1: agency and yeah yeah all these things sure you sure. know so
0: they could be truly friends they could. They could be hurt and disappointed that their team lost, but also be truly happy and excited for the person that beat them. You know, even if whether or not those two positions played each other or maybe it's the two quarterbacks, like, whatever. Like, you could still be genuinely happy for that other person. And I just feel like perhaps sometimes, at least in the argument we're having here, that part gets overlooked, that you could still be genuinely happy because those – The NFL is not telling you you have to go and hug the other person that plays your position. Like no one is forcing. Correct. No one is forcing you to do that. So that at least is genuine. That sportsmanship is real in my mind. Yeah. Versus the forced stuff we make high school kids do.
1: Yeah, and and I I, I'm with you. Uh, And and in some senses and sometimes I like it and appreciate it. And and again, some of it's maybe just what I'm used to and maybe the way I want. Uh, athletes to think and feel. Obviously, I'm you know, again, I'm imposing my reality on it. I think that's um, called
0: projection.
1: Yeah, yeah, imposing, projecting. You're right. Um, you know, so like at the end of the national championship game, the two coaches who had coached together for many years mm-hmm. had a very, you know, short but meaningful interaction, you know, congratulating, asking how an injured player was. You know, like like that was good. But at the same time, it also wasn't, uh, you know, Let's exchange jerseys and take pictures together. You know, I'm so proud. You know, like it, it was. Hey, you know, great job. You deserve to win. You know, tell me about this player. You know, okay, great. And then that was it. Like, you know, it wasn't it? Wasn't a emotional moment for either of them. And they were two people that had spent lots of time together. And 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 shaking hands, saying, you know, congratulations. To me, is different than the. Small talk in the middle of the field that or middle of the court you know or wherever that I see sometimes, and that kind of bugs me where it almost feel like they're excited about that more than the outcome of the game
0: and again, I think this is going to come back to the differences in our sports, but I feel very differently about this topic especially when it comes to professional volleyball players so i think wait
1: is there professional volleyball
0: exactly that's my point okay so most professional volleyball does not take place in the united states so most people don't even know about it there are some some leagues starting and there are some things that are happening and so there are some select times of the year where you might be able to say see u.s women's or u.s men's volleyball players compete against each other. But most of that true competitive professional volleyball is all happening overseas. Poland, Italy, Germany, all kinds of countries, not the United States. So for me, some of the things I notice is because I don't get to see some of that European volleyball very often, I see volleyball at the Olympics. And I'll watch, you know. I'm going to be pro-USA here for a second, but I'll watch... Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I watch, you know, the U.S. women's team beat Poland, and I see U.S. women's players, you know, this is a, a, a an elimination round. Like, the, the Polish team is out. They are no longer competing in the Olympics. It is heartbreaking. People are upset. And there are U.S. women's volleyball players consoling those players from other countries because they played professional volleyball together. And and that's the relationship that they have. And they truly do, you know, the U.S. women's team, obviously, I mean, they just won a gold medal. Like, they're not sorry that they won a gold medal. However, they are proud and and and, and they have some emotion feeling, you know, f- towards the team that they just beat, especially if they're, at some part parts of the year, teammates with those people. And I just think it's a right. special... Mm-hmm moment and connection that you can't teach high school athletes by forcing them to slap each other's hands at the end of a game. Like, that's not the same thing.
1: I I agree. It's not the same thing, and, you know, like, you you make a good argument, and and I feel that, and I think that's a um, great—but I just just remember how great sports rivalries are and how delicious it is when uh, competitors— don't like each other, or don't want to be friendly after the game. Not saying they're going to go after them or say anything bad, but they don't want to be friendly. I just, you know. You're like
0: flashing back to some NBA contentious times. Absolutely.
1: You know, Indiana kid, loved Reggie Miller and the Pacers. Thinking back to the Pacers and Knicks and those, those just, you know, dynamite series that were just physical and nasty and mean and and like they weren't they weren't hugging congratulating each other at the end hey i'm so proud that you're moving on great game now did that happen maybe i didn't see it did it maybe happen you know later that wasn't on tv sure but the feeling was like when you got beat you were upset angry yes you're gonna shake hands because that's what you have to do because that's part of the game but then you're gonna leave and you do not want to see your opponent excited, happy. You know, you don't want to congratulate them, at least not in that moment. Um,
0: yeah. And but, you know how I feel about the NBA, so I just have no comment here.
1: Well, correct. And, and, you know, NBA today is is a different uh, different animal than what, what we talk about. Uh, but speaking of the NBA today, that is a perfect way to segue into our rants for the week. Okay, so our rants each week, we both get a few moments here uh to just simply talk uh in our relationship you know when, when someone's upset or someone wants to uh you know vent you know a question we try to ask each other or a question we try to phrase is do you want solutions or do you want support? Uh and sometimes it's solutions I want you your your opinion and thoughts on this and sometimes I just want you to hear what I have to say. And so for our rants we this is all about support. So babe I support you. What is your rant for the week?
0: Alright, so this week, gonna circle back to some NBA basketball, which is not my favorite. I I love basketball. I grew up loving basketball. And I basically, the NBA stands for Not Basketball Association. Like, it's not real basketball. But my biggest problem with it, the, the, the easiest thing that they could fix, or maybe the easiest thing that they could have never messed up, was the fact that the numbers for basketball jerseys in the NBA... No single digit should be bigger than the number five. Now, some of you just heard me say that, and you're going to say, wait, there's more than five people on a basketball team. You can't just have one, two, three, four, five. That's not what I said. No single digit. So we can have one through five, and then we can have, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. But the number, no disrespect to the- Or 44. 44 is fine. 55, the highest number. Fine. No disrespect to the late Kobe Bryant, but the number eight should not exist in basketball. That's not a thing. No disrespect to LeBron James. I mean, he's not always my most favorite basketball player. The number six does not exist in basketball because referees should be able to give all signals to the, you know, the the official bookkeeper for fouls and, you know, with one hand, and you can't make the number six or the number eight with one hand. And and this is, you know, you're going to hear more about my backstory than maybe you should, but my father was a basketball official. That is not a thing. All fouls should be able to be given with one hand. Promise you that is a real thing. And I don't understand how they became in love with these numbers, because in theory, both their high school and college teams should not have allowed them to have those numbers. So where did these magic numbers that are bigger than the number five, where'd they come from? Okay, I'll stop ranting because that was way longer than it should have been. No, that
1: was, that was excellent. And, and and the good news for, for those listening is that your rant is excellent. Mine is uh, gonna be short and probably less important. Uh, my rant is popcorn. <laughs> Don't laugh.
0: I support you, babe. I support Thanks you. Thanks for
1: supporting me and my rant against popcorn. Popcorn is an overrated snack. I don't understand why people like it so much. It is a greasy, um, messy thing that we eat with our hands. It is something that then just gets stuck in your teeth and bothers you for days later. Uh, you know, the flavor and the taste... Does not justify the pain of what popcorn is. Uh, I, I just don't get it. If you want something that is salty and buttery and crunchy, eat potato chips. Those are far better than popcorn. Unless you're trying to diet or you're trying to be, uh, what's her name, from Sex and the City, eating popcorn at night... <laughs> There is no reason why popcorn is a preferred snack for people. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand that. And I say that as a proud Hoosier that knows that much of the popcorn that you all consume is is grown in Indiana. Support. Sorry, support, support. Support, support. Thank you. Uh, Is grown in Indiana, but I don't get popcorn. I don't understand why it's such a big thing. So that is my rant for the week.
0: I hear you, babe. I support you in your distaste for popcorn
1: yeah and you can still love popcorn okay okay so that's it for this episode uh as you we wrap up please follow us on twitter married with drinks please share the podcast uh with your friends family or strangers uh and we'll tune take in. any
0: followers at this point it doesn't matter who
1: absolutely uh hopefully there's at least one of you out there and tune in next monday for the next week's episode bye friends good night